Good evening. Hopefully you had an enjoyable afternoon. Maybe you got to eat some good food or take a nap or something enjoyable. Um, but let's kind of, if we have thoughts running through our minds, let's try to set that aside for now and really so we can focus in on the Word of God tonight. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. That's where we're sort of going to kind of lay the foundation for tonight's lesson. And in verse 25, it reads, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, I'd like to draw your attention to this idea in verse 25 of waiting on the Lord. It's definitely something that's found all throughout the Bible. There's this idea of waiting. We have examples of people who had to wait, people that were good at waiting, and then people who waited in the wrong ways. This is certainly nothing new for us in our lives either, right? There's things we have to wait on. Whether it's in high school, you're trying to figure out what you want to do afterwards, what you want to major in in college, what you want to, if you even want to go to college, right? That's a waiting time period. When you're in college, you're trying to figure out where you're going to go next. That's a waiting period. And there's just so many more other examples. So if it's so common, why talk about it tonight? What's the importance? Have you noticed it's kind of hard to wait? It's not very fun either, right? And sometimes people just generally don't like doing it, so we try to avoid it. Maybe today, this afternoon, did you go to a restaurant? What's the first thing you ask when you walk into a restaurant? How long's the wait, right? And if it's too long, you're going to go find somewhere else to eat. Another example I thought of is in an amusement park, there's something new they've come up with, where usually you have to wait in this long line before you can enjoy the ride. But they've come up with these things called fast passes. And you pay extra money, and you get this fancy little wristband that you wear, and you get to get in a shorter line or cut the line. So they're making money off of us because we don't like to wait. So what's the big deal? Why bring this up? Well, do you remember what Lamentations 3 said in verse 25? It said that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. So if I don't like waiting, or I'm trying to avoid it, that's a problem. Because the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Now, I'm not saying fast passes are a bad thing. Choosing a restaurant based on the waiting time is a bad thing. But what I am saying is that since we don't like waiting, we naturally try to look for shortcuts. We naturally look for ways around it, ways to avoid it, even when it comes to waiting for the Lord. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What can we learn from this idea of waiting? How does it apply to me? How can I make it personal? And not just waiting in general, but specifically waiting on the Lord. So we're going to go back to the first book of the Bible in Genesis. We're going to look at an example of someone who had some waiting to do. We're going to spend a significant amount of our time tonight in Genesis. We're going to start in chapter 12. And I want to make a quick second to make a disclaimer. There's a lot more in these chapters than we're actually going to get to cover tonight. And so I encourage you to go back, read through it, and really be able to appreciate the whole story. But for right now, we're going to look for this, this theme of waiting on the Lord. So starting in chapter 12, we're going to read the first four verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you of a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, 
and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot was with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So the Lord tells Abram to pack up and move out, right? He's going to a foreign land, and he makes him some promises here as well. Now, personally, I can't relate to this as well because I've lived in the same house my entire life, never had to pack up and move out. Closest thing is coming down here to college, moving into a dorm. But I'm sure some of you know that there is a lot of uncertainty involved with moving, right? We, have, we don't know what's going to happen next all the time. We can't, we can't know for sure how things are going to turn out. So remember that as we think of Abram's response here. And I want to use a think of an illustration as well. What if someone were to come to your door tomorrow morning, knock on it, and tell you that you should pack up all your stuff and move down to Mexico, and all these great things are going to happen to you? What do you think your response would be? Probably something to the extent of slamming the door in their face, right, rolling your eyes at them. You're not going to take them seriously. But notice Abram's response here to the Lord. The Lord said go, so Abram went. Have you ever thought about that? It's really a simple sentence, but it reveals a powerful faith. What's the difference between this comparison? I know it's kind of a silly comparison, but that random guy at your front door is exactly that. He's random, which means you have no reason to trust him, no reason to believe what he says, no reason to put any kind of faith in him. But for Abram, it was different. God's not just some random guy. This is his creator. He didn't have to ask him why. He didn't have to say, I need more details, right? How hard is it going to be? How long is it going to take? Give me an itinerary. You know, I need to take some time to consider it. No, he had faith in his God. The Lord said go, so Abram went. Faith is important in overcoming uncertainty. Faith is important in waiting. And remember, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Okay, let's go in the next chapter, Genesis 13. We're going to read a couple more verses here. And starting in verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So some time passes here, and Abram reaches his destination, and the Lord reminds him of those promises. And Abram responds to these pretty amazing promises by building an altar and worshiping the Lord. Now I think this is a good reminder for us to remember that in our time of waiting, God reminds us. And we need to look to his promises and then praise him for those. So we're going to quickly look over to chapter 15 now. Even more time has passed. We'll read the first six verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. 
your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars, if you were able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted him to him as righteousness. So we see here that Abram was struggling a little bit, right? He had his doubts. He didn't even have children yet. How in the world could this promise be true to him? It probably felt like he had waited long enough, right? It's been enough time. Why does God not just deliver? But God comforts him. He reminds him of the promises. And notice here what the most comforting thing is that God can give us. It's not instantly getting what we want. But here he tells him, fear not, I am your shield. The most comforting thing that God can give us is himself. And he does that. It's the same for us today if we only incline our hearts to hear his words, to wait for him, and to remember whose hands we are in. Now we're going to jump over to the next chapter, chapter 16, Genesis 16, verses 1 through 6. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar, and Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So ten whole years now have passed since we first started reading. Ten years is a long time to wait for something, isn't it? When's the last time you had to wait ten years for something? And time begins to mess with us. We can start to make assumptions. We start to get hasty. We want it to happen now. And so we can start to say things like, well, maybe the Lord actually means this, right? What did Sarai say? It may be that, and then Abram listened to her voice. This idea sounded shorter, it sounded quicker, and it sounded easier. They thought they knew what God wanted for them. Do you see the problem here? There was no legitimate reason for them to think that this could be what the Lord wanted for them. And they made the mistake of listening to each other's voices instead of listening to the voice of God. We can't start to think of our own interpretations of what God's promises means. Because there's consequences to shortcuts. And since there's consequences, they're really not shorter at all. And here it leads to present and future consequences. We see Sarai and Abram, there's conflict there. There's conflict between Sarai and Hagar. She deals harshly with her. She treats her with contempt. And then later, the Lord here in verse 11, he's going to make a promise to Hagar that's going to affect them even later on. There's going to be future conflict. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all of his kinsmen. And this promise would come true. And his descend- Ishmael's descendants would cause the Israelites trouble later on. All because they did not wait for the Lord. 
and it causes problems for future generations, and it can do the same in our situation. Shortcuts may be quicker, but they're not worth it. They're not really shorter at all because of the consequences. Look back at Lamentations where we started, if you would. Lamentations chapter 3. The second verse we read was in chapter, verse 26. It says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The truth of the matter is, we don't know everything in life. And we don't, despite what we may think, we don't know what's best for ourselves. Only the Lord knows that. So sometimes we just need to wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. And think about how that would have been such a better situation here in Genesis if they had done just that. We need to remember that the Lord is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. And what's the role that goes on between shepherd and sheep? Sheep don't run ahead of the shepherd and try to show him another path, a quicker path. They don't know better. They follow behind where they need to be, where they can be guided, where they can be protected. And we need to do the same. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Turn over to Genesis 17 now, if you would. Genesis 17. Verse 1 tells us that Abram is 99 years old now, which means it's been about 24 years since he first started, since he was first promised. And now the Lord's going to spend some time reassuring him and establishing a covenant with him. And he's going to even change their names as part of this covenant. Abram's name is going to be changed to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And they're both going to hear these promises again. And we're going to look at their responses and what we can learn from them. So Abram's response is in chapter 17, verse, starting in verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So Abram hears these promises again, and notice how he reacts. Notice his response. But before we talk about that, look over at Sarah and see her response in chapter 18, starting in verse 9. They said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the next appointed time I return to you, about this time next year, Sarah will have a son. So Sarah hears these same promises, and what is both of their responses? They both laugh at the Lord. That seems pretty crazy, right? Do we, th do we think we would just laugh at the Lord when he tells us something? No, probably not. Like, no, I'd never do that. How foolish can they be, you know? But we need to be careful, because I think sometimes we're guilty of this, even though we don't know it. Because whenever I choose to be impatient, whenever I choose to not wait on the Lord, then really I am laughing at his faithfulness. When I'm being impatient, patient, taking things into my own hands, I am laughing at his faithfulness. 
And that's a problem. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Okay, let's go over to Genesis chapter 21 now. We're just a few pages over from where we started. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, and Sarah bore him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. So 25 years have already passed, and they finally get this promise of a son. 25 years. Most of, or not most of us, but a lot, some of us in here, including myself, are not even 25 years old yet. And that's how long they had to wait for one son. How long are we going to wait? I would encourage you to remember that next time. Maybe next time you're praying for something. Next time you're waiting. Next time you're wondering, why has God not answered this prayer yet? Remember that he answers in his time. We just sang a song called, Teach Me, Lord, to Wait. It's a really good song. You should look it up again, read through the words. It's very helpful. And the first stanza says, Teach me, Lord, to wait down on my knees till in your own good time you answer my prayer. And that's the key here. It's his time, not ours. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. So Abraham's not the only example of someone in the Bible that had to wait. We're given numerous examples. I listed a couple on the screen. Noah had to wait on an ark. Daniel had to wait in a lion's den. Ruth had to wait on Boaz. And there's so many more examples that you should check out. But there's one that we haven't talked about tonight that I would like to look at with you. And that's the Lord and how he waits. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. There's that idea of in his time. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the Lord has been patient with me even when I haven't been a good waiter, even when I haven't been patient with him. Think of his patience with Abraham and Sarah. They laughed at him. He could have just struck them down, but he didn't. He was patient. So maybe you're struggling with waiting. Maybe you're struggling on unanswered prayers. Maybe you struggle with waiting on a brother or sister in Christ, maybe a coworker, or maybe just patience in general. Well, I would encourage you to remember the Lord and how he waits and how no one has had to wait more than him. Think of all that he's had to endure, all that we've done for him. And remember that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Let's look over at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, and verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. So when you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ, either here or outside of church, is there, do you ever think of the idea of waiting do you ever think of that? Or maybe patience? Is that ever something you have to do? 
Because here in 1 Thessalonians 5, we're commanded to be patient with each other. We're commanded to wait on each other. And it's vital that we're able to do that because we're a family. And God calls for his family to have unity. And that takes patience. That takes waiting on each other. But we also need to be patient with those in the world. Those outside of Christ. They need to see our example of our patience, of our waiting. And sometimes that can be so much harder because they're not trying to be patient back. And it's just not easy to do. But just remember God's patience with us in that time. Another passage that's kind of helpful for me to illustrate this point is in 2 Corinthians. And chapter 1, in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ you share abundantly in comfort too. So our understanding of what God has done for us, it impacts how we wait. It impacts what we see in others. The afflictions that he went through, the things he had to endure, and then the way he comforts us despite that, it makes it easier for us to endure things, right, when we see that. It makes it easier for us to be comforted in our times of waiting. Before we finish up tonight, let's quickly review what we've went over and find some practical things that you and I can be doing, can and should be doing, as we wait on the Lord. So let me go back to Lamentations for a moment. Hopefully, you've noticed tonight that waiting is a very active And what I mean by that is we're not just to be passing the time, sitting around, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for it to come about. We're to be busy. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So laziness is part of this. If we're just sitting around waiting, we're being lazy, we're being idle, and we're not doing what this verse says, seeking him. The Lord is not just good to those who wait for him, but also to the soul that seeks him. So we're to be busy about the Lord's work. We're to be looking for ways to do that. So how do we make sure? How do we make sure we're not being idle? How do we make sure we're seeking? Well, one aspect of that is found in Psalm chapter 40. And in Psalm 40 in verse 1, It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Here David implies that part of waiting is prayer. The Lord heard David's waiting. Does God hear you as you wait? If not, we need to be more intentional about our prayer life. Another aspect of this is in Psalm chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the other part that goes along with this is meditating on the word of God. Sometimes we wonder, why why is God not answering my prayer? Why? I'm praying so much, but he's just silent. But then we look, and we only have our Bibles open like, twice, maybe three times a week? Why is that? 
Communication is vital to any relationship. Why, why do we treat our relationship with God any differently? Open the word and incline your heart. We need to be intentional about meditating on the word. And lastly, practicing patience with those around you. Because when we become better at waiting, it's life-changing. Waiting connected to our faith, waiting connected to our hope. And as we wait on the Lord, our hope, our faith is only going to grow. Our hope is going to become more real. And it's going to impact other aspects of our lives. Like our love for one another. Like our ability to forgive one another. Our patience with one another. There is a reason that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. I'd like to finish up tonight with a passage from the book of Jude. Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. I think this really ties well into what we've been talking about tonight. One of the awesome promises that God has given us is the promise of eternal life, the promise of being with Jesus. And that is the hope that fuels our waiting as we wait for him. But before we're in that love, before we're in that mercy, and before we have that hope, there's something else that has to be done. We first have to obey. Remember in 2 Peter 3, we looked at how the Lord is waiting on us. But the Lord's waiting is eventually going to come to an end because he's going to have to fulfill those promises. And so the question I need to be asking myself tonight is will I be found faithful in my waiting? Or did I waste his time? Did I waste his blessing? What sort of waiter will I be leading to prosperity? The Lord is good to those who wait for him. I appreciate you patiently waiting on me tonight as I share these things with you. And I really hope there was something in there that was helpful for you that you can take this week and apply it as you think about waiting on the Lord. And if there's something that we can do tonight, someone to help you, please make that known as we stand and sing.